to hear an anointed, powerful word that will change your life from Treasure Coast Victory Center. Be blessed as your faith goes from one level of glory to another level of glory. Let's do some more this morning. Can we do that? Yes. Go to Romans chapter 8 this morning. I'm going to show you something that turned my life around, I don't know, 16, 17 years ago probably. A scripture that meant a lot to me other than I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. So Romans chapter 8. We have been uh, talking about the Spirit of God, the anointing of God. How many of you have the anointing? How many of you have the Spirit living in you? Yes. So we want to not only believe that, but we want to learn how to flow in that or operate in that. It's more of a, more of a flow type thing than anything else when you start flowing with God in obedience to His Word and the Spirit. All right, Romans chapter 8, are you there? Look at verse 31. It says, What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Hallelujah. How many of you know that Father God gave his only begotten son? He gave it so he could die on the cross, so basically we could be saved. But notice there's more to the story than that. Not only did he give his son to die on the cross, but after you got born again, he put his son's spirit in you. The Bible says Christ lives in you. He is the hope of glory, the hope of manifesting God's character and God's nature is already on the inside of you. The Bible describes Christ as the exact likeness of God. That means if Christ is in me, on the inside of me is the exact likeness of God. The Bible describes him as the express image of God. Well, if he's the express image of God, he's on the inside of me, then the express image of God lives on the inside of me. The Bible says he's the king, so the king lives in the Bible says the kingdom is on the inside of us. But notice, not only these things, but look at verse 32. He spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him, say with him, say it again, with him. Notice, with Christ also freely give us what? A few things, couple things. No, so notice when you received Christ after you got born again, who came on to live on the inside of you, you not only got, and everybody knows Christ lives in you, but you got all things, say all things. These are all spiritual things. So with him, he freely gave you all things. That means with him, God's wisdom is in you because he freely gave you all things. God's love is already in you because it came with him and it's on the inside of you. God's peace came with him on the inside of you. So you have God's peace in you. Are you following me? Everything that you'll ever need or want when Christ came on the inside of you, basically the Bible says we have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. So if that's the truth, then we don't really lack a whole lot of things right now, do we? We have every spiritual blessing we want. And this isn't over a period of 40 years. This is the day you got born again. Some people go to church to get all this stuff for 50 years and never get it. And the reason why they don't get it because they've already got it. Come on, and churches will teach you how to get it because they don't know you got it. If you know you got it, you tell people they got it. You don't tell them how to get it. Are you following me this morning? So I spent all my life, when I got born again, going to a church that kept telling me how to get it. So I did my best to try to get God's love. 
Try to get peace. Try to get patience. Try to get power. I saw people operate, operate in the power of God. I thought, my God, I want to do that. What do I have to do to do that? Well, how many times do I have to go to church? How long do I have to pray? Do I have to do spiritual backstands? Do I have to fast for 40 days and 40 nights? What do I have to do? And I'll tell you what, when you go to people that don't know, they'll tell you. Come on now, they'll tell you what you've got to do. And you'll be doing it won't be helping you anyway because he's already given us all things freely with Christ himself. Now here's the key to walking in the anointing. You will only activate in the spirit what you believe you have. You will only activate in the spirit realm what you believe that you already have. If you believe you're going to get it, you won't activate it because you don't believe you've... Are you following me? So if I don't believe I have power, I can't activate power until I get power. And if Jesus didn't come in me, through his suffering, death, and resurrection, give me power, then I'm going to have to get power some other way, and I'm not going to get it because he freely gave it to me, but because I earned it. We're hitting religion this morning, I know, but that's all right. See, so I spend my whole life, what did I want to do, man? I wanted to get power. I wanted to do this. I want to do this. I want to give all these things, man. I want to do it. I want to earn these things. I want to walk. I want to walk. Give me more love, God. Give me more love, God. Give me more love, God. Can I get more love somehow? Yes, you can, brother. Just pray and pray and pray, and he'll give it to you. And then I came across the scripture. It says, when the Holy Ghost came in, he brought the love of God with him, and it's on the inside of me right now. But I never activated it because I didn't believe I. So you never activated a life with God until you believe he was. See, so I've got to believe basically what the word tells me I've got. And when I do that, then I can activate it by acting like I've got it. And the more I act like I got it, the more I grow in it. There's a lot in the first five minutes. I'm telling you right now. I don't know. I mean, I'm going too fast here this morning. There's something I just feel like too much stuff's coming out at once. Hallelujah. So, all right, go to Second Peter chapter, chapter 1. Most of my fights in my spiritual walk over the last 35 years have not been with the devil. They've been with ignorance. The more ignorant I am, the more leeway the devil has in my life through the ignorance, praise God. The Bible calls him, he's out of the spiritual realm of darkness, which equals ignorance or lack of knowledge, praise God. Even on, you know, Wednesday nights, he's talking about money and he's showing you basically how to operate and the things of God and money and everything else. But I'll tell you right now, if you don't put God first, you might as well forget money. Are you following me? Everybody wants to get rich. Everybody wants to have money. That's great. But if you seek money first, I guarantee you, you're never going to get it. It don't work that way. You've got to seek him first. His wisdom, his knowledge. The Bible says his wisdom and knowledge is better than any rubies, better than any gold, better than any silver. Yet everybody in the world is trying to get gold, silver, and everything else. So they're working 14 jobs to try to make money. Why don't you just get the wisdom? It comes from the mouth of God. Now I'm getting in a different area here. What are we doing here this morning? Praise God. Why do I, why do I, why do I want to work harder, hard and work harder and save my money? No, just get the wisdom of God, operate in His way of finances, and you won't have to worry about it again. Once you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, all these things are... You don't have to go get them. They're chasing you down, brother, every place you go. Money going to be coming in. Your biggest problem sooner or later is going to be what to do with you have money-wise. Not do I have enough, but my God, it just keeps coming in. I probably should do something with this stuff. It's piling up in the bank. And i got to do something with this stuff, so I might as well give it. And then you've got to go to God and find out where to give it. Because there's some places you should give it to and some places you shouldn't give it to. Hallelujah. All right, Second Peter chapter 1. That was free. 
We don't have to take up. We won't take up another offering for that information. We'll just leave it go. Second Peter chapter one. Look at verse three. According as His divine power has given unto us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him that has called us to glory and to what? Virtue. Now here it says once again, He's given you how many things? He's given you all things. So when you were born again, Christ came on the inside of you, the Spirit of Christ, and with Him He brought you all things. He brought you the power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy. The Bible says you have an anointing. He's already given it to you. The Bible says you have already been delivered. He's already said that in the Word of God. Now why do you think God gave us power? Why do you think He gave us all this stuff? Do you think maybe He wanted us to use what He's already given us basically to fulfill what He's given us? He expects us to live a victorious wonderful, peaceful life. Praise God. That's what he wants. He don't want you in despair. He don't want you down and out. He don't want you in the basement. He wants you on top. As a matter of fact, you're already seated in heavenly places far above all principality, power, might, and dominion, and every name that is named. Praise God with him. Glory to God. But, but since we don't believe that, we don't activate that perspective. No, we're down here trying to get up there. But we're already up there. We should be looking down. I found out one time when I was in an airplane, when you're up high, things down here look pretty small. You know that? In an airplane, look out the window and say, man, what are those pimples down there? You get down there and they're mountains. But as long as I was up there, they were small because I had a different perspective. When I was down here, they were big. And every Christian wants to live down here. And then pray to God to help them with their mountains when if they just get up in the airplane when they belong, they wouldn't have any problems with their mountains. Come on now. Hallelujah. Glory to God. So God gave us all this power. What did he give it for? So that we would live a victorious life. So when I got, in the, I got born again, I mean, I was on fire. God touched me from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. I knew what God was. I knew the presence of God. He nailed me good, praise God. And at that time, I started going to church. And the first thing they told me basically is what I didn't have and needed to get. So at first, I, I designated an hour before I went to work. I was working at 5 o'clock in the morning then. I would get up at 3 o'clock in the morning to spend one hour praying and praying and praying to get the power of God. I de de dedicated an hour to pray to get the power of God. Praise God. Then I'd go to church and we'd sing songs and pray. Lord, let your Holy Ghost come on down. Come on down. Oh, come on down. Lord, let your Holy Ghost come on down. I found myself after a while, I was depending on a God in heaven to do things in my life that he actually empowered me to do. I came to a place where I found out in my life and got mad that I was bowing to situations and circumstances that I had the ability to blast out of my own life, praise God, and then have to have God do it because he's already given me authority and power over everything that's there, praise God. And then all at once, after a few, few months of this, I started to blame God. Blame him for the state of my life. Hey, I've been born again three months now, and I've been given, and I've got nothing, and, and I don't have any power, and I'm sick, and all this stuff, and I'm just mad about the whole thing, and this God just ain't as good as I thought it was going to be. And I thought, somebody told me that Christian life was without any worries, any cares. You just go in this utopia. I mean, no, there is not such a thing as a utopia unless you're living in the kingdom of God, praise God. And then you can live in power, and you can live in peace. So basically, I got to where the rest of the church was that I was with at that time, dancing, singing, jumping, praying for God to release out of his large reservoirs in heaven the peace and the joy and the power that was up there that he was holding back on us till we hit the right buzzer or hit the right button or hit the right keyhole and then my God the heavens were going to open up and he was just going to pour stuff on me that I was not even able to contain praise God and most of us believed that way so we shouted till the power came down we danced till the power came down and all I got that came down was fatigue Number one, I couldn't dance, and I got tired jumping up and down, and I got. Now, sometimes I got a little emotional, 
there's a difference between spiritual and emotional. We ain't going there this morning because we ain't got enough days to do that. Spiritual comes out of here, praise God, and then affects your emotions. It's not the other way around. So I started thinking to myself, what's the deal with his sovereign God? You know, everybody tells me how much he loves people. Everybody tells me he's in control, but we got sick people dying all over the place. He ain't doing a dang thing about it. We've got people starving in Africa. He ain't doing nothing about that either. People got pain all over the world. He ain't doing nothing about that either. I was told that, well, don't worry. God has the big picture. He has the picture. And all things work together for those who are loved by God and called according to his purposes. So since I was taught that, I was never challenged to use what God had already given me. I was living beneath the power and the victory that I had in my life. I almost backslid to a place. I mean, you know, after a while, you decide to, hey, I was better in the world, praise God. I was drunk and didn't know if I was hurting or anything else. I'd just get plastered and forget the whole thing, praise God. And I was getting to that point to where I wasn't understanding what God had already done and what he was doing. I was wanted power bad. I wanted the things of God bad. And then one day, God started talking loudly to me. It was no longer a still, small voice. It was, a, you better straighten up and get with the program here, buddy. Glory to God. And I believe in this day and hour we're living in right now, God is starting to talk loudly to the church. I'll tell you what, he's starting to talk loudly to you. To get with the program. To start taking advantage of the many things. God has expectations, praise God. He doesn't give you all this stuff just for nothing. So basically, what do we need to do? We need to find out what he's freely given us in Christ and then believe it and expect to use what he's freely giving us in Christ. Praise God. Instead, we sit around making up new doctrines. Well, let's help God out since he's not doing very good. So we'll make up a doctrine. You know, Sometimes God heals. Sometimes God don't. We just don't know till we get to heaven. Blah, 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 blah. God might help you. God might not help you. Blah, 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 blowing everything off. But that's not what the Bible says. How many of you know that? The Bible states basically that the church is the one responsible for setting people free, casting out devils, healing people, and living a lifestyle of love, joy, and victory in your own life, praise God. It's up to you, praise God. God has already given you. Once he's given you the anointing of God, he's given you all his power and ability. He has nothing else to give you. Are you following me? You have your ability. You have the power to do it. The problem is nobody's ever told you to do it, so you're not using what God has already given you to live in the victory that you need to live in. And God's waiting for a group of people. I know in my heart, he'd been waiting. He'd been waiting for 20-some years since I started the ministry. He told me that first week he's waiting. And we're still waiting on a group of people who will just receive and claim what God has already given them in Christ, start operating in it, start flowing in the power of God, start flowing in salvation and healing, getting people saved, healed, and delivered, praise God. So the problem this morning with the church and with me back in that day, it was not the devil. It, it was not, not faith. It was not anything. My problem was ignorance. I didn't know any of these things, and I was not being taught any of these things, so I was wasting years. I got mad when I found this out. I wasted three years blaming God, not doing anything, not doing anything, hoping that God would do something. Do this, do that, do this. And here's the difference God told me. The church for over 100 years now has been preparing for the outpouring of the Spirit. They've been preparing for the next mighty move of God that's coming. Preparing for this end time revival that the prophets are prophesying is coming all over this world. God said he doesn't want preparation. He wants cooperation. 
We're not preparing for anything. We need to learn to cooperate with what he's already given us on the inside. And you'd be living in revival every single day, praise God. You wouldn't have to come to church to be resurrected from your weekly deadness. You'd come here with the Spirit of God on the inside of you and join with somebody else with the Spirit of God. And you could have a church full of the power of God before they even play the first note back there on the thing. But see, we haven't been taught that. We've got to go someplace. Somebody's got to touch us. Somebody's got to do this. Somebody's got to do this. And there's nothing wrong with that. How many know I'm not knocking that because I do that? I'm just telling you, there's a way to live your daily life. How many of you know you have a daily life? And when when you're here, it's really nice, isn't it? Here we are all together. God loves us. Praise God. I'm with my brothers and sisters. But then we got to go out there. And the alarm goes off in the morning. Praise God. And uh, glory to God, all this stuff starts to happen in your life. And pretty soon, you forget all about Sunday. Now, what did he preach again? What what did did Luann talk about? Love? I just don't feel like loving today. I'll be honest with you. It's a good message, but I ain't going to do it. I'll tell you that. And we pray, give me more love, give me more power, give me more peace, give me more patience. The only way you're going to grow in anything is understand you got it, practice it, and then you grow in it. But if you don't believe you got it, then you can blame somebody else. See, I don't have to be patient. God didn't give me patience. So if he didn't give me patience, it's his fault. Like the scripture says, power of life and death is in the tongue. See, it's not in God. And he's not responsible for everything you say, I guarantee that. He's not going to take responsibility for it. You see? So, so what, what we're doing is we're putting the responsibility back where it belongs on a group of people who have been given all things that pertains to life and godliness so that you can grab them things and start confessing yourself as a righteous, blessed, anointed, filled person rather than a weak. Can't do it. Praise God. God said, let the weak say, I am. Let the poor say, I am. Let the redeemed but we don't. We say, I wish I could be redeemed. I sure am poor today. I don't have a dollar, praise God. Hallelujah. And that's the way we talk. So why is that? Because we don't know what he's given us. It was more than just a ticket to heaven. We've been taught, you got born again. Now you got a free ticket, glory to God. You've gone to heaven. So just fight, just hang on, praise God, till he comes back. We're not here to hang on. We're here to hang something on the devil before it's over with and his kingdom and his power. But you're not going to do that, praise God, without understanding what he's already given you. Glory to God. So basically, you know, you can look at me today and you look at me now. I've been in the business 21 years. I've been saved for 35 years now. I've been pressing into God. God's been doing a lot of changing. How many know a lot of changing? How many know when you get born again, you just don't get this stuff? How many know you wish? But it wasn't set up that way because spiritually you were born again. But now they have to save your soul your mind, your will, your emotions, because there was no change there. You just know something changed here, but man, I'm still thinking stupid up here. And the Holy Ghost is going to bring revelation to you of who you are and what you can do. So praise God. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, this morning, it's not my fault that I'm anointed. It's not my fault that I'm righteous. It's not my fault that I'm holy. It's not my fault that I'm healthy. It's not my fault when I lay hands on people, they fall down, shake, run around, whatever. It's not my fault. If you want to get mad about it, don't blame me. Blame him. Because he's the one that's freely given me all things. The only thing is I decided if he gave them to me, I might as well use the darn things that he gave me and do something with them. Praise God. All right, go to Luke chapter 24. side right there Luke chapter 24 last chapter of Luke are you there 
All right, look at verse 49. This is the last thing Jesus said in Luke before he left. He says, And behold, or look, I send the promise. How many know who the promise is? The promise of my Father upon thee, but tarry ye in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from where? So here's Jesus telling him, Hey, don't panic. Don't get all upset because in a little bit you're going to be endued. Another translation says you're going to be infused. Another translation says you're going to be clothed. Another translation says you're going to be invested with the power of God. Now, look where this power came from. It came from heaven, didn't it? Now, the church has quoted this scripture, and they want to keep waiting. But notice, he was telling them to wait until the Spirit of God came on Pentecost Day. How many know Pentecost has already come? So we're not waiting anymore for the power. We're not waiting for the wisdom. We're not waiting for these things. And I know people want to argue in James that it says if you lack wisdom, pray and ask God for wisdom. Well, if you think you lack wisdom, do that. But then it says, believe you got it. See, he tricks you there. He says, if you're not going to believe me the first time, let's try it the second time. If you don't have wisdom, ask me for wisdom. Lord, I want wisdom. Now believe you got it. I got it. You could have did that before you prayed the prayer. Come on, are you following me? He's so patient. He gives us three or four chances to get it. Glory to God. So you have the wisdom of God. You have all these things he's been giving you. You've been endued with the spirit of the living God who now lives on the inside of you. And you are one of those people. Say, I'm endued. Say, I'm infused. Say, I'm full of. Clothed with the power of God. Now, what do I want to do? I want to start cooperating with wisdom. I don't want to go around saying, oh, I got a decision to make, and I sure don't know how to make that. I don't know what to do. I'm just so confused. I don't know what decision to make. I'm just working the best to get my... No, no, you got the wisdom of God. You just say, well, when God, wisdom comes up on the inside of me, gives me the answer. Praise God, I'll do it. And it's happened to all of us. There's times we ministered to other people where we weren't even thinking about the wisdom of God, and it came up inside of us, and we gave somebody a word that was exactly what they needed at the time, and you didn't even know what they needed at the time, and you didn't even know you knew what you knew before you told them you knew it. What was that? It's the wisdom of God that's on the inside of you. You don't know you know it up here, but your spirit man's got it down here because Christ is in here, and all at once you had the answer. And even while you're saying it, you're saying, my God, that's good, and I probably needed that too. See, because it's already on the inside of you. Peace is already in you. You only lose your peace when you disconnect from the peace through natural circumstances and situations that attack your peace and your joy. See, he knows how the kingdom of God operates. It operates in righteousness, peace, and joy in the... See, so what's he going to do? He's going to attack your righteousness. He's going to try to make you guilty. He's going to attack your peace. He's going to try to get you to worry. He's going to attack your joy. He wants you to have a lemon face. Because all these things allow you to operate in the kingdom of God so he knows where to go after. But notice, you don't have to give these things up, praise God. You've already got them. And don't think when you lose your peace, you've lost your peace. Do you understand? Now I've got to get my peace back. Lord, give me peace. It's already in you. That prayer is not going to help you. Lord, give me your love. It's not going to help you. The love of God has been shed abroad. You can't get bigger than the love of God. So what am I going to do? I'm going to exercise it. And boy, that's fun, ain't it? Is it fun exercising love? Would you like to punch somebody right in the face and instead you're going to love them today? Isn't it fun when they just talked about you and told you you were rotten, but you're just going to love them anyway? I just feel so good in your emotions and feelings. <laughs> you get a goosebump in you. No, don't feel good at all. What are you doing? You're obeying the word, praise God. You say obedience is better than sacrifice. Sometimes they come together. Come on. You're being sacrificed as you do the obedience, praise God. But you've got to love. What are we going to do? Love. What are you going to do? Love. What's the end of that problem? I'm going to love them. But you don't know what they're doing. They've got to love them. You know? 
yoga. That's what I got to do. But that husband, but that wife, but those kids, but those co-workers. Love them. See, you want to get in strife? The Bible says every evil work comes along with strife and division. Get in that, and then your life turns into a mess, and you want to cry out to God, why? And he says, just read the word. You're in strife and division, and you allowed every evil work in your life. The Bible tells you to give no place to the devil. He didn't say he wasn't going to give no place. He told you not to give no place. Well, God's just letting the devil attack me. No, he's not. You're letting the devil attack you. Well, you sort of make everybody in the world mad before they get out of here this morning. Praise God. But I'm telling you truth this morning. I'm telling you how to live in victory. I'm telling you how to live in the anointing. I'm telling you I've been going through this, and I'm still going through it. you got to do you just got to love. Praise God. That's it. Patience. You've got to be patient. One of my favorite things is I'm the most patient man in the world. And the times I say that is when I'm not being the most patient man in the world. Are you following me? You don't say, I just can't even got any patience. Well, that ain't going to help you. So when you get like this, you say, thank God, I am the most patient man in the entire world. Oh, I'm so patient. My God, I'm forbearance. That's my middle name, Tom Forbearance Karras. What am I doing? I'm claiming and activating what he freely gave me in Christ. Then the Spirit of God, thank God, can help me in that situation. I'm just so mad. Well, he can't help you. He, he's not the, the source of madness. He's not the source of irritability. He's not the source of worry. The Bible says, cast all your care on. He'll take care of it, praise God. But you can't be walking around that stuff. It's already on the inside of you. You've got to deposit a treasure chest here, man. I'm telling you what, if you ever knew what was on the inside of you, you'd hug yourself. I love you. I love you. You're such a good guy. You can't, but pat yourself. I'd rather hug myself. Yeah, because all these things are on the inside of us, praise God. So what do I want to do? I want to start activating spiritual deposits on the inside of me like an ATM machine. And faith is the ATM card that withdraws what's on the inside of you, agreeing in faith with him. Do you see? I'm not going to argue. Well, it just strikes me out so bad. Don't say that. You need to ask the Holy Ghost to slap you. When you say that stuff, and I'll tell you what, he will gently slap you. Because he wants you flowing in the spirit. He wants you joyful. He wants you peaceful. He wants you to have a good day every single day, praise God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. All right, go to John chapter 14. All right, John chapter 14, familiar scripture. Look at verse 12. Jesus is speaking. He says, Surely, surely, verily, verily, I say unto you that he that believes on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. This is Jesus speaking. Jesus said, The works that I do, well, what works did Jesus do? I mean, he healed, healed people. He opened blind eyes. He cast out devils. He walked around, lived in love. He, he did all these things. How did he do those things? He did them by the anointing of God. How many of you have an anointing of God? So it was done by the Holy Ghost. So notice, he says, the same works that I did, you can do. That means the same Holy Ghost that he had is the same Holy Ghost that you have. Other words, he just said, you can do less than me because I'm giving you baby Holy Ghost and I'm keeping the Holy Ghost. See, but he didn't say that, did he? He said, the same works that I do, you can do. Well, if he did them by the anointing, how are you going to do them? 
You're going to do them by the anointing of God, praise God. You're going to have to learn to cooperate with that spirit of God on the inside of you. And the only way you're going to do that is by living in the nature of God, which he has instilled on the inside of you, that he wants you to walk in every single day in every situation, praise God. The answer to anything is basically put the word and the anointing on it. If you're having financial trouble, put God's word and the anointing will back up that word and bring you in deliverance in that situation. Hallelujah. It's the word and the anointing of God that go together. Praise God. So we've got the same Holy Ghost, don't we? Say, I have the same Holy Ghost that Jesus has. Now, see, when I was in religion, I was taught, don't you even think that way. Don't you think for a minute that you can do anything that Jesus did because he did it as God. Well, how many know he was God and man, but whatever he did is he did as man anointed by the Holy Ghost, not because he was God. Praise God. Hallelujah. So he put us here to do the same things. As a matter of fact, he told us to do the same things. Glory to God. All right, go to Matthew chapter 9. You can't even walk in a church and claim to be righteous without getting stoned. Much less anointed. All right, Matthew chapter 9. Let's look at verse 27. And when Jesus departed thence, two blind men followed him, crying and saying, Thou son of David, have mercy on us. And when he was coming to the house, the blind men came to him, and Jesus said unto them, Believe ye that I am able or have the ability to do this. They said unto him, Yea, Lord. Then touched he their eyes, saying, According to your faith, be it unto you. Now this is really interesting here. I'm telling you, Jesus is going with these two blind men. They show up. They come into his place. And what does he say? He says, do you believe that I have the ability to do this? Now how many know he believed he had the ability? Or he wanted to ask that question to begin with. So he was asking them if they believed in the ability that he had. Now how many know that must have been important? Think it was important or Jesus just making conversation? Did he had a little more time than he thought? And he thought just... No, he needed them to know that he had the ability to do what the word said he could do in order for them to receive what they wanted. Are you following me? So he asked them, do you believe I have the ability to do this? Now, in order to believe you have the ability to do something, you have to believe you have the ability to do something before anybody else is going to believe it. Jesus could have said, do you believe I'm able to do this? They said, yeah. He said, well, I don't. I just wanted to know if you wanted to do it or not. Just asking a question to see where you're at. Just wanted to see where you're at spiritually and what you thought. And No, no. He was trying to convince them so his ministering to other people would be effective. How many know if they said, no, we don't believe you have the ability, he would have never did anything. Come on now. As ministers, we want to do everything, don't we? Well, you don't believe, I don't care. I'll pray for you anyway. Then you pray for him, you don't get any results. So then the devil comes along, tells him that you can't lay hands on the sick and they'll recover. Tells him you can't cast out the devil. Tell him you don't even have an anointing. If you had an anointing, that person would have got delivered. Blah, 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 blah. Then you're going off into guilt. There goes your righteousness. Then you're losing your peace because you're in worry. And then you ain't got any joy because it didn't work out for you. See, there's a method to this madness. Come on, are you following me? He wanted to make sure that they believed. Now, I'll just be honest with you. It's easier for me to get people healed and touched and delivered because of where I'm at in my office. People actually believe that I have something. Are you following me? When they come to me, and it's easier to get it across to them because they come to me because they believe I have something. Are you following? Now, in your own life, if you ain't going to believe you have anything, 
then how are you going to convince any of your coworkers that you have anything to help them when you don't even believe you have anything to help them? Are you following me? But Jesus said, and notice what he says, have what your faith expects, the translation says. He says, is that right? Have what your faith expects. Now you've got to ask yourself, what does my faith expect? Am I expecting to get the power in two more years of Sunday school? Am I expecting to get a little more peace so I can walk in peace? Am I expecting to get some joy so I can be joyful? See, what are you expecting? Are you expecting you have the joy? Are you expecting you have the peace? Are you expecting that you have the power? He says, have what your faith expects. So what do I expect? I expect I got power, so I expect results when I do something. I expect I'm anointed to preach, so when I preach, I expect to be getting right, I'm going by your head and hitting you right in the Holy Ghost Spirit, praise God, every single time. Hallelujah. Why is that? Because I believe in what's on me. Now, did I believe the first day? No. Second day? Probably not. Third day? Absolutely not. But after a while of, of practicing, say practicing. See, you're not going to grow in anything unless you practice patience. Unless you practice joy, unless you practice peace, unless you practice love, all these things, they grow, praise God. And it comes to a place where it says even the senses can come in line. In other words, when somebody screams at me, I will feel like loving them rather than punching their lights out. See that? But it comes by practicing and practicing. I don't get offended. And I got an advantage because I'm in the ministry. I have a lot more chance to get offended than you guys ever have in the last 20 years. So I've had a lot more practice at it, do you see? You come to a place to where you're dead to offense. Say dead to offense. And let me give you an example. If, if you walked in today and somebody died and they were in the casket and you walked up and you pinched them, how many know they wouldn't do a thing? You could yell at them, scream at them, call them horrible names, and they'd still just lay there like this. See, that's me when it comes to offense. That's me when it comes to unforgiveness. Why? You're dead to it. You come to a place where you're dead to that stuff. Then you won't have to be fighting it all the time. But you do have to practice. Come on now. You've got to practice this stuff. Not just know, oh, I've got it. And look at me. Look at me. And then you don't want to tell people you've got it when you don't. I'm a Christian. I walk in love. But I don't like that person over there. I'll tell you what. I never did like them. The day that they started working here, I hope they got fired. I'm praying they get fired. But that's in love, brother. We're doing it in love this morning. To do. That's tough love. No, that's not tough love, praise God. All right, go to Ephesians chapter 3. We quote Mark a lot of times. We say, these signs shall follow them that them that notice not pastors not missionaries them that now who's going to determine whether you believe or don't it's up to you these signs shall follow them that believe they'll lay hands on the sick they'll cast out if you don't believe those things aren't going to happen or you're waiting to get everything you need to do that which means you'll go to church for 60 years and you'll never do it anyway, praise God. And that's what the church does. They come, they get filled with the Word of God, they get touched by the Spirit, and they go out and sit again. But no, you've got to be on the move every single time, man. You're like a secret undercover weapon for God. You're going down the street, do-do-do-do-do-do-do. Your radar is up. Beep, 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 beep. And you run into somebody in the grocery stores who are having a meltdown. Beep, 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 beep. And you go over there and you give them peace. You tell them the word. You tell them how God loves them. You pray for them and gone and it's over with. Praise God. Sometimes you just got to walk up and hug somebody and it does disappear. That's what I do when I play basketball now and, and guys start freaking out. I just put the ball down. I walk over and hug them. Haven't got punched yet. 
It's crossed my mind. But some people just need a hug sometimes, you know. No matter how miserable they look, they just need to know that somebody cares and somebody loves them. Well, who's going to do that? Praise God. We are. We're the ones that do that. All right, Ephesians chapter 3, look at verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Now, who's the one he's talking about? He's talking about God, isn't he? So he says, he is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. Above all that we ask or think. Above all that we ask or think. Well, I don't think I have any power. I'm sick as a dog. I'm so weak. See, what can he do? Nothing. It depends on what we ask or think. Now notice how it's done. Well, God's going to do it. Jesus is going to come down and do it. No, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that what? That what? That works where? On the inside of us. So here he's given all this stuff on the inside of us. It's on the inside. We can either claim it and start operating with it and in it, or we can wait for the next great revival and just sit back and do nothing until God pours out his spirit the next time. Praise God. I believe there's going to be another revival, but I don't believe it's going to come down. I believe it's going to come from us up. See, God's not going to pour out of heaven the spirit. The spirit's finally going to give an opportunity. He's in jail saying, let me out. Let me out. Let me out of you, please. No, two more days of fasting and then you can come out. No, he's in there. He wants to break out of the inside of you. The greatest invasion of the Spirit you'll ever have is on the inside of you getting out. And that's what he wants to do, praise God. Hallelujah. All right, one more. Go to Second Peter chapter 1. We need to get this tape and listen to it about 35 times. You can either listen online or they're back there for sale for $450 a copy. <laughs> Got to pay Cody, you know. <laughs> oh, Lord. A plane. A yeah. Yeah. You'll be his what? Oh, Oh, stewardess. Okay, that's good. I said you'd be a student and you were going to fly. <laughs> <laughs> Woo! Woo! <laughs> Second Peter chapter 1. Troublemakers. All right, look at verse 17. Oh, we've got to go back to verse 16, I guess. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of this majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him with the excellent glory, this is my beloved Son in whom I well please. Now he's talking about the Mount of Transfiguration. You know what he's talking about? When Jesus closed, glowed, and he got the verbal, this is my beloved Son. Look at verse 18. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the Holy Mount. We have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto the light that shines in a dark place until the day and the dawn day star rise upon your hearts. So what's he saying here? Remember when you were on the mountain and you're in all that glory and you heard an audible voice that said, This is my only begotten son. Wasn't that wonderful? He said, It's wonderful and everything, but we have a more sure word than that. 
More sure word than the audible voice of God. Everybody wants to hear the audible voice of God. Once, if Jesus would appear to me in my bedroom and look at me and said, you're healed by my stripes and disappear, I'm telling you in a week, I'd wonder if he ever appeared to me or not if I had symptoms. I would wonder if he really meant that or not. I would wonder if he even cared or not. But when I find in this book that by his stripes I'm healed and I got symptoms and I open up and it, you know what it says? By his stripes I'm healed. And I may feel a little worse, but I look at it the next day, you know what it says? By his stripes I'm healed. I look at it again and it says, you are anointed by God. I don't feel anointed. So I go to this. I'm anointed by God. I don't feel. But look what it says. It says I'm anointed by God. It says I have the peace of God. This is a more sure word than the audible voice of God even in your situations. You can go back to it every single day. It says the same thing every single day. Praise God. Everybody wants to live by prophetic words and prophecy, and there's nothing wrong with that. But you're going to have to build on this foundation right here, the solid word of God. So when you don't feel like you have the peace, you just go back to the Bible, you find a peace. And there's books out there that got peace and all kinds of scriptures with peace and joy and all this stuff. You just go to it and say, look at that, praise God, i got a peace. And it's beyond my natural understanding, thank God. See, it says, I am anointed, and I know all things. Hallelujah. What do I know today? All things. So what am I going to do? I'm going to stay on this. I'm going to go to this. I'm going to read this thing. I'm going to mark that scripture, and I'm going to be ready for it when I get an attack. If a symptom comes on me, I'm going to go to that scripture and says, there it says, right there. Hallelujah. God's speaking to me. By my stripes, you are healed. Thank you very much, Jesus. Glory to God. See, because this is a more sure word, and we've got this thing in print, and we've got it on our phones, and we've got it everywhere, praise God. All you've got to do is start using it, that what's been given to you, because God has given you all things that pertain to life and godliness. How do I activate it? How do I cooperate with it? I can only activate what I believe I have. If I believe I have it, I'll activate it. Are you following me? So if you're believing something you don't have, you need to get rid of that first. See? Line up with the Word of God. Line up with, with what God has already spoken and allow the Spirit of God to go to work on you. The Holy Ghost always follows your agreement with God. You want to get the power of God to work, you flow in agreement with God. And whatever you believe, praise God. When I first started laying hands on people and, uh, you know, I saw people operating the power of God. First I fought to get the power of God. Then I realized I had the power of God. Then I started operating the power of God. And I'd operate the power of God. And people would fall down. People would get stuck to the floor. People would laugh. People would shake. People would do all these things. And basically then one time I said to God, you know, why don't, why don't more people get healed when I lay hands on them? And he simply said, what are you expecting? And I was expecting them to fall down, laugh, lay on the floor, roll around. I never expected anybody to get healed when I laid hands on them, and he didn't, couldn't do what I wasn't expecting. So now when I lay hands on people, I'm believing for the whole package, the whole deal. Come on. If they need delivered, they're getting delivered. If they need healed, they're getting healed. If they need to fall down, if they need to laugh, if they need to shake, if they need to cry, if they need to fly back against the wall, I don't care. Praise God what he does, but I'm going to start expecting what he needs done in that situation. How many know everybody's different? Every person's different. Always got something. So I throw a blanket over the thing, praise God. And I've got everybody covered. Isn't that wonderful? Praise God. I got you covered. Aren't you glad? Good. I'm glad you do. All right. Jump up this morning. Good to see you back. How you doing? Okay? Good. Good. You like those books by Kenneth Hagin? They're very easy to understand, and I started on those. They were really good. Don't mind the underlines and the colorings. I didn't stand the lines, but I just did the things the best I could. Praise God with this. I'll tell you, if you got a book and ain't got a bunch of stuff in it, I mean a bunch of lines and a bunch of numbers and a bunch of scratch outs, you probably haven't read it yet. See, because that's what it does. You, you underline, you do what? Somebody said one time that uh, they got a Bible and they wouldn't write on it. 
You don't write in the Holy Bible, somebody told me one time. I said, dear God, get a glass case, put it in, put a lock on it, get a Bible you can write in for God's yeah. sake. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Hallelujah. All right, lift your hands this morning. Hallelujah. Father, I just want to thank you this morning for your word. I pray that this word has deeply penetrated into the hearts and the minds and the spirit and the psyche of every single person here. Father, I thank you now as they read the Bible, they will even read it differently. They will see things that they have rather than things that they've been trying to get over the years. Father, I pray for the spirit of wisdom, revelation, and knowledge to be strongly upon their lives this week as they search the Bible and listen to the tape. I thank you that their eyes will be open to who they are and the power and the anointing that you've placed on the inside of each and every one of us here. Father, I've heard you talk loudly, and I pray that you continue to talk loudly to every single one of us that we may hear your voice change and grow in the power of your spirit. Father, we will do what you put us here to do. Praise God. We will complete the plan and the purpose that you've given each and every one of us and we'll line our mouth up with you in every single area of our lives. And we thank you for what you have done this morning and give you praise for it. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added on